this journey into the gospel, uh, the, the gospel in four letters. We're going to begin the first letter in a couple of weeks. This morning and next Sunday, we want to give something of an introduction to, to get us ready for, for all that the Lord has for us in this upcoming year. Now look, this upcoming year may be the hardest year of your life. It may be the happiest year of your life. If you look back on 2022, you may be thinking there was a lot of happy and there was a lot of hard, and that often happens. But what's most important is not what happens, but who it is or what it is you rely on to get through it. Who is it or what is it that you see everything else through? What, what is it that, that gives you hope? What is it that defines you? What is it that is your purpose? You know, our God is on the move and our God does not change. And he, he works in a, in a very familiar way. It's, it's, it's the way. It's, it's, it's recorded in the scriptures for us. And, and he invites us to come and align our lives under his leadership and to call him Lord and to live for him. But we can choose to do other. We can choose to do otherwise. Several years ago, over three decades ago, I, I met a, a guy that I just enjoyed so much. He loved football, loved it, loved football. And for obvious reasons, he's a big old boy who moved real fast and hit people hard. And he was good at it. And, and he was always encouraged in it. And he was one of those, those rare athletes um, that was not only successful, but had a coach, a good coach at every single level. So those of you who are in athletics, you know how unusual that is to have a really good coach at every level that really affirms and encourages and trains uh, in, in appropriate ways that, that fit uh, the, the way in which you think and, and, and helps and had friends at every level and, and lots of success. And so he, it was his reason for getting up and going every day. And he worked so hard because he loved this sport and all of his friends were in that sport and he was encouraged in this sport. And then there was a day when he realized he was not going to be able to play at the next level. There was a day when he took off the helmet and the shoulder pads and the cleats for the last time. And he walked out of that locker room and it was over. Within a matter of weeks, he was, he was suffering under great depression because his purpose, because the thing that gave his life meaning, the thing that drove him, his affirmations, his relationships, all of a sudden it was gone. Sadly, he's not the first, nor will he be the last to do that. Some of you are doing that right now in your own life. You're living for something you can't keep that won't last as long as you and it may be success, it may be a relationship, it, it, it may be a job, it may be a vocation. And, and notice, none of these are bad things. It's just they're not God. And see, if you're, if you're building your life on a created thing, if you're building your life on, on something that, that will not last as long as you, well, you're in trouble. You, you've, you've got a gospel, but it's not a good one. See, everyone has a gospel. Everyone has news that we believe is good that defines our life, that we see everything else through. My friend had the gospel of football. That was his gospel. That was his good news. It defined him. And, and it was where he rallied all of his relationships from. It, it's why he got up every day and worked so hard. It was, it was his good news. Now, when you hear that, I know some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Good news. Isn't that a church word? It's a human word. And here's what you need to know about you. You have a gospel. 
You have good news. I just don't know, and I want to help you think through if it's the good news. If it's the right good news that you want to base your existence off of. So see, some of you have the gospel of personal success. And so you're wading into your career, you're wading into your sport, you're wading into your, your art, you're wading into what it is that, that, that really is important to you, that you enjoy, that you get affirmation from. Some of you are doing that with the, your relationships. Some of you, you have the gospel of children. Your children are your good news. That's why you get up. That's why you have hope. That's why you have energy. That's why you're staying in your marriage. It's, that's the gospel for you. Some of you, it's, it's, it's the gospel of entertainment or activity. So long as you've got something to do, so long as you've got something to post, so long as there's likes, then, then, then you're saved. Then you're okay. Then now you have meaning and now you have purpose. And, and, and so I can post the next thing and have everybody tell me how great I am. And we get to have community and, 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 and that's the gospel. We need to understand something really important. You're going to hear this a lot this year. And so won't you go ahead and write it down or take a picture of it, hold on to it. And by the time we get through February, I think you're going to say, please stop saying that. But I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you can say it with me by the time we get to February. Here it is. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. The gospel you believe, and everybody in here believes the gospel. You're believing in something that you think is good news. And that's going to determine your life, how you live it, why you live it, how it is you navigate the, the happy and hard things. It's everything. Everyone's got a gospel. And the gospel you believe determines the life that you live. Again, my friend had the gospel of football. Couldn't last. The gospel you believe, it may not be a bad thing, evil, sinful, but will it last? Now, some of you here are Christians. But if you're honest, Jesus is not the main thing in your life. He's an add-on. He's, he's not your identity. He's not your purpose. He's not what you love to talk about. He, he doesn't, he, it's, not, it's not the basis of how you spend your time and your energy and your money. It's something else. And so if you are saved, if you are saved, but you're living your life based on another false gospel, you will never be full. You'll never be satisfied the way the scripture calls us to be. So we're gonna, we're gonna seek to understand. And I wanna be real, real honest. You know, we need to know what our gospel is. You've got a gospel. So the question becomes, well, how do I know what my gospel is? Let me give you a litmus test, okay? I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. Here's how you can get a sense of what your gospel is. How can I define my gospel? It's the main thing, not the only thing that gives me hope, purpose, and meaning. It's the main thing, not the only thing that defines my life and how I spend my time, energy, and money. It's the main thing, not the only thing that I talk about and share with others because it matters most to me. It's the main thing, not the only thing that I build my relationships on and find my comfort and encouragement in. Some of you may say it like this. If I lose, fill in the blank, my life is over. If I lose, fill in the blank, I'm dead. I have no life. What is your gospel? This morning, I want to I wanna seek, and I'm going to be honest with you, I want to seek to convince us all to trust in and to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I want to press you into it. 
Let, let's, let's understand what the gospel is. And we're going to do that by studying four scriptures, all right? This is God's holy word. And so we're going to look to what this scripture has to say. The first, first place we're going to go is to Romans chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Kennedy is going to come and read first verses 16 and 17. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Romans chapter 1. This is verses 16 and 17. Can you read that for us? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the first, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated, please, and pray now for the preaching of God's word. A few quick things about this gospel. You should have your text open there. First of all, it's the power of God. Provides salvation. Say, so how does this work? Well, it frees us from the punishment and the power of sin. See, when, when Christ died on the cross, all the sin of everyone who would ever believe was placed on him. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin, the Holy One of God, became sin our sin was placed on him and because the wages of sin is death our sin had to be placed on him he, he took responsibility for our sin and then he died and he paid for that sin with his death the death we deserved and so now the punishment of sin has been completely satisfied in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross and then when he was raised, the power of sin was broken because now he lives and because he lives in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, he lives in all who believe. We have the power to live out the life of Christ, Christ alive in us and we're being transformed by it and, and we're given the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, it is a legal standing. We are given credit for every good thing Jesus has ever done. We are, we are given the righteousness of Christ, not because we've earned it, but because we've received it by faith. So not only are we forgiven, not only are we freed from the power of sin, we're, we're seen as Jesus to God the Father. We get, we get credit for the righteousness. We are made the righteousness of God. And it's from faith for faith. The, the right standing with God is by faith from start to finish. It's not based on what you do. So I know some of you are thinking, I got to get my life right. I know it. I know it. I got to get my, it's not about what you've done. It's about what he did. It's good news. It's done. It's news. It's fact. And so now you can receive that by faith and then by faith, know that this God who loved me, this God who, who died for me, this God who is alive. Now I see everything through him who lives in me. And this defines me. This is my purpose. This is my hope. This is my all. And, and this is the way we shall live by faith. The, the life of faith is all-encompassing. It, it is by faith that one initially receives the gift of salvation, but it is also by faith that one lives each day. The, the gospel of Jesus gives everything we need to live healthy, blessed lives. Anything else will fail. Anything else will be tarnished. Anything else will not satisfy. Only Jesus... And this gospel gives peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness. 
Everything else, everything else you could trust in, whatever gospel it is you walked in here with today will fail. It will not satisfy. It will not last as long as you. It, it, will, not, it will not encapsulate all that you need. Can't. It's created. You need the creator, the maker, the sustainer. You need the almighty to, to live in that eternal void that is in your soul. And without him, there's never peace. You're always unsettled. You're never satisfied. You're always shifting. You're always looking for that next thing. You, you, can't, you can't ever be satisfied. And, and so you're miserable and you make everybody around you miserable. And you don't want to be, but you are. And you don't intend to do it, but you do. So how is it? What is it that we have in this gospel? This gospel that is the power of God that gives peace. There's three things. And this is, this is our fundamental way of providing biblical counseling. If you were to see me for counseling, this is typically what I'm going to walk you through. And it's the gospel and what it does for those who truly believe. And it is what, what every human being ultimately longs for and desires and seeks. Three things. And I'm going to give you a different scripture. And I'm going to have you turn with me so we can look at it together. First thing is this. The gospel is the power of God that gives peace with God so that God controls us. Peace with God, so that he controls us. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus uses a wonderful illustration with children that a, ch a child can understand. And it helps us understand how childish really we all are and how we approach our lives and the things we do and why. Uh, Jesus is quite forthcoming here in really displaying for uh, human beings the, the reality of, of what it is we, we do over and over again to ourselves and, and to other people. Matthew 11, beginning in verse 16, Jesus said, but to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by our deeds. What's happening? Well, these children are playing a game in the streets, and nobody's happy. Someone says, well, we were going to play the, the dirge. So what they're doing is they're acting out what they would typically see in their village. The dirge would be for a funeral. The, the flute would be for a wedding. So they're saying, let's play funeral. And then someone over there says, no, I don't want to play funeral. That's no fun. That's, I don't like it. Then someone says, well, let's play wedding. I don't want to play wedding. I, I love this. Years ago, uh, a mom told me, said, my child almost every Sunday goes home and sets up their little toys and, and then there's a, one of the, the figures stands up and the front of everyone says, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do. <laughs> I said, is the little figure bald? She said, I don't know. <laughs> but that's what children do. They, they act out. And so what's happening here is there's kids that are saying, we were playing the dirge, but you didn't want, why, why don't you want to play the funeral? We, we played the flute. You said you didn't want to play that either. Whatever we play, you don't want to play. Why don't you want to play? Because you want to be in control. You don't, want to, you don't want people telling you what you can and can't do. Certainly not God. And so what, what we do, and we all do this as human beings, we all try to be in control of everything that happens in our lives. It only, it only makes us miserable. 
It, it, it only takes away from life. It doesn't, it doesn't make us complete. And there's religious and non-religious folks doing this. And so if you're a religious type, let me, let me help you understand probably what you're, what you're doing if you're falling into this childish way is um, you have this idea that you can control God and that, and that he owes you. See, some of you today, you're, you're saying, I can live any way I want to because I went through the institutional religious requirements and so now, once saved, always saved, I can, I, I can live any way I want to. I can play the flute all day long. I can live any way I want, no matter what. God, you owe me because I did your religious stuff. There's others of you that don't play the flute. You play the dirge. Well, I don't want to go to church, but I got to. I don't want to serve them people, but I got to. I don't want to give this money, but I got to. Otherwise, God's going to stomp me in the head, I guess. I, I just better get on with it. You got Tigger and Eeyore, right? You got, you got Bouncy Bouncy and, and, and the other one can't keep his tail on. It's just, and religious people, that's, that's what they do. It's, it's the flute, the dirge, and there's never any satisfaction. But what there's constant doing is to try to manipulate God. God, you owe me. God, you owe me. I did your religious stuff. You owe me. And now I can do whatever I want or you can't crush me. Whichever approach you want to take, neither one of them is biblical. But then it's also the non-religious types. And they, po they both post on, on social media. They both do it. And, and there's this one group that says, look what I get to do. Look what I get to do today. Oh, look at me. Look at what I get to wear. Look what I'm eating today. Look what I get to do. Aren't I special? Aren't I great? Everybody like me. Like it, like it, like it. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, she didn't like it. She's not my friend anymore. I'm going to cut them off my thing right there. But then there's the other one. That's the flute. And then the other one's playing the dirge. Look what I have to do today. Look at these children I have to raise. Look at this job that I have to go to. Look what I have to do. So you got the flute and you got the dirge. You know what both of them want to do is they want to be able to control how you perceive them. They want to control how you affirm them. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how strong I am. Tell me, tell me, tell me. See, the thing about human beings is we are always looking for something outside of us to tell us that we're okay. And the flute and the dirge, it, it never satisfies. It, it never does what we want it to do. There's only really one way to have peace with God. It's through Jesus Christ and love. You know what's lacking in everything I was just describing, the flute and the love? Where there's manipulation and control, that's not love. Look what Jesus said. I'm gonna put this on the screen. This is John 15, nine. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Here's, here's what's amazing about, about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we receive it by faith in his love. We love because he first loved us. And once we have seen our sin for what it is and we see the sacrifice of Jesus for what it's done, we can't help but love him. If you don't love Jesus, it's because you haven't understood who he really is and what he's really done. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. If you can't see, you can't see. If you can't hear, you can't hear. The only way you're gonna ever have peace with God is through Jesus Christ and receiving his love, abiding in that love. And because you love him, you obey him. You don't do it because you have to, you do it because you want to. 
You do it because your whole life, all your sin has been forgiven. You do it because your whole life is laid out in in his plan and you're able to walk in his way, whether it's the hardest year or the happiest year, no matter what, you see it all through the lens of his love and his great power and might. And you have peace because you're whole, you're shalom, because your life is not built on circumstance, but on a person who does not fail or fade. Second thing, the gospel is the power of God that gives peace within Peace within because God defines us. God defines us. You probably know this one. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's amazing. When we have peace with God, we can then have peace within. If we don't have peace with God, we'll never have peace within because you've got to have the order of God telling us who we are. And then living our life in his power. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Who we are has changed. It's not that that we're a, a better version of our old sinful self. No, 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 no. Our sin is forgiven. Our, our heart is new. Our, our, we're made alive because Christ is alive in us. This is, this is not, this is not polishing. This is not lipstick on a pig. This, this is new. This is new creation, new life, born again, all over again. Now alive to God, peace with God. And now peace with him because he's alive in us. And, and what we, what we have is the capacity having been made alive to Christ is to be able to look to God and have him say, yes, you're mine which gives us peace within. Peace with God because we're forgiven. Christ alive in us and now we can say, say, Lord, am I? And the affirmation, yes, abide in me. Yes, peace within because I am telling you who you are. You are saved, you are forgiven, you are loved. As human beings, we, we, we cannot help ourselves. We have to have something outside of us affirm us. And so we see people with, with different behaviors, uh, you know, and there's a certain category. It's interesting how these behaviors in these categories uh, and, and what people are talking about. You know, recently I had a conversation with a person who, who wanted me to use one of these categories to define them. And I said, I'm not going to do that anymore than I do with a smoker. I said, friend, what you're telling me is that this desire that you have is who you are. And you want me to identify you. You want me to affirm you based on an, out of a desire that you have in you. Well, friend, I think that desire is a disordered desire and it is not good for you. And the last thing I'm going to do is define you by that because I love you. And it's the same thing with a smoker. Listen, if you smoke, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't think that's good for you. But what I'm not going to do is, is call you a smoker Christian I am going to say, it's not good for you. You're not made to breathe that in and out. It's not good. I know you desire it. I know you want it, but I'm not going to define you by it. In in Jesus Christ, what we have is this identification that says, I am loved. I am loved. I am forgiven. My life matters to God. Therefore, I have peace within because he tells me that. When people come in for counseling, oftentimes what what we see are two problems, either an idol problem or a worldly identity problem. You know, any creative thing that we seek to give, uh, that we seek to give us our purpose, our peace, or our identity, it, it, it always fails. Like my football friend, the gospel of football, 
It failed him. It was his idol. It failed him. Any created thing that you're trusting in to give you meaning and purpose and an identity, it'll always fail because it won't last as long as you. That desire will go away. That job will be lost. Sooner or later, you will stand before God, soul to God. The other is this worldly identity. And there's so many who come in for counseling and they're, they're being defined by their circumstances, their pain, their experiences and or pursuits that define them apart from God. And so many struggle with this. I, I think about, you know, the child that fails the test, the, the person who loses the job, uh, the, the, the person with the failed marriage. And, it, and, and what, what so often we hear them say is, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. And you know what Jesus says? No. You are a child of the living God, saved. You are eternally loved. You are eternally alive in Christ Jesus. You are an eternally loved by God, child of God, who failed the test. So I lost the game. You're not a loser. You are a child of God, saved by Jesus Christ, who lost the game. I, I'm a failure. No. You are a man or a woman loved by God who lost your job. It doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. Also, those that have had things done to them begin to be defined by their abuse and their experiences. And I, we have to say, no, friend, you are a person loved by God that was hurt by another person. They say, no, no, I am a victim. I am a victim of what happened to me. I am what happened to me. No, you're not. Not if, not if you believe the gospel of Jesus. You are a loved, forgiven child of the king who had something happen to you. But you know what? You can go on. You may not forget it, but you know what? You have a confidence in his love and his plan for you and you can have peace within. You know, there's those who are so miserable and we see it every election cycle. We see it at the end of every season people who want to define themselves by a political party or a sports team. You know, it, it's, it's just insane. What, what you see. I don't know if you guys watched the Georgia game last night, but there was a guy who definitely needed to have a shirt on. I don't know if you saw that guy. <laughs> Big G on him, very, very unmistakable. No, he needs friends, he needs accountability. If y'all know who it is, y'all call him. But see, what, what happens is that they're wanting to be identified with something. I'm a Georgia fan. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm this. I'm that. Oh, how sad because sooner or later they're going to lose and that's going to fail. But if you're a child of God, saved by grace through Jesus Christ, who happens to vote a certain way or happens to cheer for a particular team, that, that's not your identity. That's, that's your identity living out Christ in that world. There's a difference. When we're defined by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, peace within. And then, third thing, peace with others. Peace with others. The gospel is the power of God that gives peace with others through forgiveness. Now, I, I need to pause here. Go, turn to Colossians 3 while I'm, I'm, I'm pausing with you. Colossians 3.13. I, I just got to make sure you're clear on this. Listen, without peace with God, you're not going to have peace within. And the only way you can have peace with God is through Jesus Christ paying for your sin and taking over your life and giving you his righteousness. Only way you can have peace with God. 
Once you have peace with God, you can have peace within. You can be defined by his love and his grace and his mercy and his plan for you because he is a good and mighty God. Then you can have peace with others through forgiveness. So Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive each other. Forgiveness is the life breath of relationships. You must breathe in forgiveness. You must breathe out forgiveness. You must breathe in forgiveness. You must breathe out forgiveness. If you stop breathing in and out, you know what you do? You suffocate and die. In your relationships, you're going to have to breathe in forgiveness. You're going to have to seek forgiveness. And you're going to have to breathe out forgiveness. You're going to have to give it. And I know that annoys some of you, but here's the thing you need to understand. You are not perfect. And neither is the other person. Just for clarity's sake, to make sure and to wake anybody who happens to be asleep up right now, touch, tell the person next to you, you are not perfect and neither am I. Just real quick. Miss Nori, no one's with you. Mike left you, so I'll tell you, you're not perfect and neither am I. Okay, I, good. Thank you, Miss Nora. I, Mother Hubbard, I, she tells the truth too. So look. Because everyone around in this room anyway is not perfect and, and the people who are in relationship are not perfect, here's what we gotta do. We have to forgive each other and we have to give forgiveness. And you know what that breathing out in and out does? It's not life, it creates life. It, it enables life, I should say. Our relationships can live because we breathe in forgiveness and we breathe out forgiveness. And the, and the heartbeat is Jesus Christ, his blood poured out in us, living in us, breathing in forgiveness, giving forgiveness. Now look, understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving a person permission to rebuild trust. You know, so many people say, well, if you forgave me, then, then everything should be the way it was before. No, it can be. Now that you've sought forgiveness, now I've opened that door. Now let's see if we can rebuild that bridge, your life to my life, and, 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 and rebuild that relationship. It's built on trust. See, I wanna tell you something. Some of you who are asking forgiveness, you're not. Here's what you're asking for. You're asking for permission. You who keep cheating on your spouse, you who keep abusing your spouse, you who keep yelling at your spouse, yelling at your children, you who keep causing pain and going back and saying, you got to forgive me, forgive me. You're not asking forgiveness. You're asking permission to continue to harm them. That's not forgiveness. That's, you're wanting permission. And that's a big no. Because the person that you're hurting is an image bearer of God. And they have the value of the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't add value to them, but what you can do is affirm it. And when you, when you hurt them and you lie and you cheat and you yell and you break and you put them down, you're dishonoring not only them, but their maker. Now look, when you love and you lift up, you're not adding value. All you're doing is showing them the value they already have as an image bearer of God. And so when we sin against people, and we are going to because we're sinful people, we've got to go and we've got to say, forgive me, I'm, gonna, I'm not doing that anymore. 
let's rebuild that trust. Let's be, rebuild that relationship. See, that's what God did with us. He, he gave us forgiveness and now we're building our life in Christ. And, and we're building confidence. So now that we have peace with God, we have peace within, we have peace with others. You know, uh, that, that man I was telling you about that had the gospel of football, I met him years after that at an FCA camp. He had met this girl and he loved her. But he realized that she didn't love him the way he loved her. And so he went to her and he said, I want to marry you, but I first, I need you. I need to be your everything the way you're my everything. And she said, I can't do that. She said, here's what you got to understand. I love you and I want to marry you, but Jesus Christ is my everything. And my life is built on Jesus Christ alone. And she helped him understand that he had been building his life on football. Now he was trying to build his life on her. And she said, I cannot be your savior. See, he was a good Georgia boy. He was raised up in church. He'd actually been saved and baptized. But what he realized is that, is that Jesus was never the hallmark. He was never the, the, the foundation of his life. Jesus was just an add-on. See, he was a football player that happened to be a Christian. He wasn't a Christian that happened to play football. See the difference? Now, what are you? What's your gospel? So glad I met that man and his wife. Because they would go through the camp and say to each one of us, don't let your sport define you. Don't let your failures define you. Don't, don't let your success either. Jesus Christ, peace with God, peace within, peace with others. Do you want it? Do you want it? Some of you don't have it. Some of you don't have it and you can have it right now. You can begin this relationship right now. You can give up that old gospel that is not gonna save you and believe in the one true gospel of Jesus Christ that will. Let's stand together, let's pray. Care leaders, come forward. Friends, there are leaders that are coming here that are happy to talk with you about how you can trust in Jesus. And I hope that you will as we sing in just a moment. Let's pray together first. Lord, I thank you for every person who is here and I thank you how much you love each one of us. And Lord, I first, I pray, I pray for those who have never truly given their life to Jesus. They've never been forgiven of their sin in Jesus. They've never received the righteousness of Jesus. I pray right now that they'll do that and they'll come talk with one of these leaders here at the front and they'll be saved. Lord, I also pray for Christians who are here today that, that honestly, Lord, they've got a gospel of something else. They, they may be saved, but Lord, you're just an add-on to their life. And I pray right now that they're feeling deep conviction about that. It's causing them to treat people badly, causing them to think of themselves poorly, causing all kinds of pain and brokenness. And I pray that they will repent and be defined by your love and your life alone in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't change, you're always good. And so we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. 